Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. I'm Press. Fellas, what's good? I'm back in the land, man, after the eight days in sunny St. Martin. How y'all doing? I'm doing good, man. Everything is going well right here, Press. DC, I, I still I still hear you fighting that that cold flu. I don't know what you got going on over there, man. What's up, man? You good over there, baby? Man, I'm doing I'm doing okay, man. I, I'm like at about a four point nine star right now. I'm not fully back. <laughs> <laughs> four point nine. <laughs> so he got one hater that gave him a one star review. We see y'all out there. <laughs> still rolling. No, I- hey. Listen, man, ain't nobody caring about no haters out here. No, it's good to hear from y'all. Listeners, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. Please jump in there and join our exclusive community, Chicago Versus, V-E-R-S-U-S. That app is available on Apple and Android applications. Boys, we doubted Team USA, or maybe not y'all as much as I did, but the men's team, they got it done, boys. Talk to them. Them boys got it done, man. Got it done. Did a great job, man. Kevin Durant did an excellent job leading this USA team, man. And the I'm best you, player in the world. Yes, sir. We got to say it, man. We got to say it. I know a lot of people out there who love LeBron. I got to tell y'all the truth, man. It is Kevin Durant. The guy can score buckets anytime he wants to, man. He can put that ball in the basket. But I also got to get some kudos to press. It's those Milwaukee Bucks, man. I got to say, Drew Holiday, he came and saved the day, man. That guy defensively, he was on point, man. Got to give it to him. I got some props for Drew Holiday. This guy's having probably the year of his life, man. NBA championship, then he flies to Tokyo and saves the day, bro. They were a different team once he landed. Hey, Drew has some juice, man. I don't know what CP3 was sipping in the finals, but Drew had a little bottle of his own juice, man. Drew is on a nice little hot streak right now with coming off the NBA championship, coming off the gold medal. He winning. When he played with the Pelicans, people didn't look at him as this that kind of a guy. I mean, he was always a two-way player. It's just that now we're seeing him on a big stage, and now he's getting to show everyone to the whole entire world what he's able to do. So I'll tell you, man, at those games, his on-ball defense, preventing guys from penetrating, preventing guys from those screening roles to be effective. He was excellent defending that. No, man, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And they avenged that loss to France. Because remember, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, how Team USA lost to France in that opening round. So they avenged that loss. And I'm telling you, without the Slim Reaper, KD, the best player in the NBA and in the world. And yes, I said it. This man right here put this team on his back 
that performance that he had in that gold medal game was nothing short of phenomenal, boys. Katie knows he's the best, and that's the type of swagger. So it's like, man, when you have Kevin Durant on Team USA, you shouldn't have any worries. So I know, yeah, they came out shaky. France got them, but that's why I got so excited about having Zach on this squad, having Patrick Williams around KD, because he is the best of them. Mm-hmm. And you want the hometown guys to learn from people like that, to absorb those habits, absorb those tendencies. And he put on a show, man. He's the greatest Olympic men's basketball player in history, surpassing Carmelo. So the one thing I'm disappointed in, fellas, is the criticism that KD was getting when USA was losing games. People were saying he's not a leader Talk and all those him. different things. And it's like, you really believe he's not a leader? This guy got championships already, done a great job for Golden State, done a good job for the Nets almost single-handedly, right, getting them past the Bucks. That didn't occur. But, again, single-handedly doing his job. It's like this dude is really a winner, man. The guy plays very well. He gives it his all. He has been leading the team. He has been leading his USA team. Those guys look up to him, man. He's been right there with those guys, interacting with them press every single day and working with them too. And it's not a shocker to see us get that goal. So that's what, three goals for Durant? Three of them? Yeah, that's his third one. And it's the sure. thing, bro. He had nothing to gain by being on this team. Think about the guys that backed out. A lot of the guys are like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. KD took that on his own and said, you know what? I'm going to go to Tokyo. And you got to think about it. This guy has two rings, two previous gold medals. His legacy is already solidified, in my opinion, already. So the fact that he took this challenge, to me, put him on even on a, on a higher echelon as far as just his standing in the game. That's just the way I see it, bro. And you talked about A-Dub a second ago about the fact that that next team, how he almost wheeled them to the finals, right? Well, you guys all know how I felt about Joe Harris because he was a <laughs> Joe Harris three-point shot away from getting the third ring the way that I look at it. I think now, hopefully, since he's won his gold, I haven't heard all that criticism coming his way. A lot of those guys have been put on mute. So all those haters, I know a lot of them are really LeBron fans who really love LeBron, who mm-hmm. thinks LeBron can do anything wrong. Guess what? You all been put on mute when KD won that gold. And you know what? Shout out to the first-time Olympians that were on this team. So DC brought up Zach Levine's name, but you had Bam Adebayo. You had JaVale McGee, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. You had a lot of Devin Booker. You know, you had a lot of guys on this team. This was their first taste of this. And so shout out to those guys because now this experience is something that they could take back to their teams. So this men's team, while it wasn't easy, they still got it done. They brought home that gold, baby. They got the job done, Prez, and these guys are going to go back to their current teams and be stronger and better. That's right. Shout out special to JaVale McGee from the Chicagoland area. First mother and son in history to win Olympic gold medals. So that's big right there, too. Bring another gold be- uh, another another gold medal. Man, I'm, I got them fighting mucus and tongue-tied. I'm going to get it right. Fighting gold medals. <laughs> Sometimes you got to laugh at yourself. Bringing another gold medal back to the McGee family. So, big shout listen, out. Listen, that wasn't no mucus. That was DC looking at a picture of JaVale's mom and when he got caught up. That's all good, though. She Caught him slipping, friends. Caught him slipping, boy. <laughs> but speaking of the women's side of things, now, Team USA women's basketball brought the gold. And I'm telling you one thing, it wasn't even close with them. They wanted to smoke with everybody. Yes, they did, Press. Shout out to my girl, Dinah Tarasi, Brittany Griner, 
Sue Bird, they got the job done, Prez. And I'm just kind of happy for those women. I saw that last game, Prez, and I'll tell you, Brittany Griner was, man, handling business in that paint. I mean, that young lady went to work. I mean, it's like she couldn't miss a shot in that paint. She got the ball down low, and she – bucket. That's all I can tell you about that, Perez. And it was a route, man. It wasn't even close that last game. They cruised pretty much in that fourth quarter. They were up like about 20. That women's team, they were unstoppable. Those ladies was awesome, all of them. Absolutely. I, I echo A-Dub sentiments there. Brittany Griner, that's what she do. That's what she does. And to quote the great Booker T, five times. Five time, five yes, time, sir. five time, five time Olympic gold medalist Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. Congratulations. Congrats. And, and on top of that, DC, did you hear Diana Taurasi post game? She says, see you in Paris. She going for six, boys. <laughs> she wants the smoke. And she want man, she out here with fog machines like it's Halloween. She want to give the smoke to everybody. Boy, boy, boy. And Diana Taurasi, man, look at her career, bro. That is a legendary career. And it's that pedigree. She got that UConn DNA in her, man. And Sue Bird, I mean, you I can't say enough about how Sue Bird standing in, in, in WNBA and just women's basketball as a whole. These two women here are the basically the epitome, I think, of why this team collectively came together so much. Because if you watched them play, they played so well. The chemistry out there was amazing. So to DC's point, Brittany Griner, I mean, she does what she does. She's unstoppable. Well, nobody going to do nothing with her. She's a problem, right? But then right. you had Aja Wilson out there. She's a beast. Brianna Stewart. I mean, dude, this women's basketball team right now is so loaded. Think about the people that weren't even there. Liz Cambridge didn't even come and play. We didn't even have all our, we didn't even have all our top players in Tokyo. That's true, Prez. You're right. It's a lot of great women out there, man, who could have been part of that team who didn't play. But it just shows you the dominance, though, of our USA women. They really, truly dominate. And the point you missed with all these legendary young ladies who are probably going to be Hall of Famers, Perez, at some point, um, it's just awesome. Like you said, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, those two are some of my favorite players in the WNBA. And it's they're actually aging at that. You know, They've been around a long time, man. And the fact they're still out there getting the job done, it says a lot about both of them, how they take care of their bodies, how they mentally are prepared for these games. It's just awesome. It's brilliant. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Sue Bird, she's 40. Well, she don't look it, boy. I'm telling you, that one like, <laughs> like she aged a minute. And Sue Bird, I know you got Megan Rapino, but your boy Press, that's I'm just trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Press, <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, she's the only one with a jumper now. Come on, shit, I'll shoot. <laughs> shoot your shot, brother. Chicago, yeah. we shoot shots on this podcast. We shoot shots. <laughs> That's right. Big baby gonna shoot. <laughs> yes, sir. But no, man, but all jokes aside, though, this women's team dominated seven consecutive gold medals for the women's team, and it's about to be eight in Paris, boys. Hey, cue to Kanye and Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. And who, who's gonna stop her? Yeah. That, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody. And I will say this, DC, that gold medal game, China, they they gave it their all. That little point guard from China was tough, bro. She was getting to the rack. I was sitting up here like, man, how's she doing this? She's 5'4". She was getting that shot off when time she wanted to. I'm like, boy, that shows you, though, the competition from these other countries. We talked about it. The talent gap has closed because now you have these people that have been watching us and they emulate us and they are starting to fall in love with the game. So to your point, 
I think this women's team is pretty much untouchable, but the talent gap isn't that wide because you look at that gold medal game. I thought that China played pretty tough. It was a game where, you know, our team really felt that, hey, we had to turn it on when we turned it on, and we did. But you're right, Perez. The key thing you mentioned, though, is that the world is catching up. I mean, a lot of times these teams overseas, they are starting to play ball younger. They've been emulating us what we've been doing over here in the USA. And they actually add their own ingredients to what they can do. Different skill sets, different way to shoot, different way to get to the basket, different way to, you know, get a shot off. So it's like that all that creativity, man, is adding to the game. And you can see the difference when I, when we play USA team play versus how the other teams play, you know, and um, they look good. They have their own style. We have our style. But overall, man, you love that mix. And the rest of the world knows that Team USA, uh, not, you know, really is just really all across the board. Being who we are in the world, everyone's coming for us. You don't ever hear Mm -hmm. Team USA is going after France. Team USA is going after China, especially in women's basketball. So the point I want to make here is as long as Dawn Staley is coaching that women's team, I don't see anything different happening other than another gold medal. She's got three herself. So she's able to teach these, these younger women like, Hey, this is the standard of excellence. Let's go out and get it. GC taught that talk. Cause Don Staley, man, does not get enough credit, not only just for her coaching chops, but her skill set in the league. Don Staley was a beast at that point guard position, man. And she does not get talked about and does not get the respect that she deserves. And also, too, audience, I remember when she was on that episode of Living Single. Y'all remember that? Man. <laughs> you always noticing something, man. Like, you always picking something out, man. So, yeah, that's a good one, though. Wasn't it her and Lisa Leslie that was in that episode? I think Lisa Leslie was in that, too. You know what? Maybe it was Martin, but I just remembered them being on the episode. And they, I think they whooped up on Martin, didn't they? Yes, they did. <laughs> and they claimed to be hurt, man, at the end of that game. Before the game ended, they claimed they were hurt. So, yeah, I remember that, man. It was a good episode. It was funny, too. Yeah, I knew it was one of them shows, but I'm telling you, that was funny because I'd have been hurting that one, too. I'd have, yeah, I'd have caught a hamstring real quick because John was out. <laughs> she was crossing Martin ass up. <laughs> <laughs> Giving him the business. <laughs> well, speaking of somebody giving somebody the business, the Crosstown battle, fellas, White Sox with that sweep. Let me grab my broom. Let me grab my broom. Smoking the city. Was there any other possible outcome? Mm. Look at what the Cubs just did. I mean, they officially waved the white flag, and now you're going up against the hottest team in baseball. They did put up a fight that, that first game, I will say. That was interesting. But overall is what counts. The W's are what counts. And Cubs fans, y'all know a thing or two about waving W's. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. But you just got to start getting them black and white W flags printed up. I'm, I'm just going to say it one more time. Socks, hands down. Look, well, man. so hold on, so hold on, real quick, A Dub, because I know A Dub, he, I know he's feeling some kind of way, and I understand. You know what we gonna do, guys? We gonna design a Chicago State of Mind black and white W flag, right? Yeah, man. going forward, every time that the Sox win, that flag is going up on our Twitter account. Sir, the idea was just born. DC, love it. A yes, what you what you got for us, man? And I'm and I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> don't, don't 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 do me. Don't do me, brass. Don't do that to a dub, man. You don't mean that, my brother. We know that. 
I actually did mean that. I did mean that, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> man, I, I, I got such a bad reputation. Man, I did mean I, I was so sincere. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> My boys, man, we are reading new press. We threw in the flag, like DC said. We're rebuilding. That's where we're at in our stage right now. The Cubs are in the rebuilding stage. The White Sox are pretty much on their way up. They're looking to try to win the championship, a World Series. Salute to those guys there. But World I, Series I, are bust. That's it, really, what it come down to for you guys now. Um, yeah. My boys, as you can see, we're starting over, man. We got rid of everyone that DC talked about already. We made some trades. And now we just, hey, out there just putting guys out there to see what we have in the system already on this team. So game one, we did put up a fight. Game two and three, we look like we're out of it. You know, we couldn't hit nothing. You guys shut over. us down. Good pitching on your side of the table, Perez. Yes, sir. Game two for sure. Game three, y'all busted up Zach Davies. I mean, you came out three home runs in the first yes, inning. Sir. Yes, I knew sir. the game was over after that, really. I said, oh, this is over. It's going to be a kind of night. So not much for me to watch here. But anyway, <laughs> you guys pulling the clinic. Um, Eloy looked good. Tim Anderson, Woo! all you guys. Woo! So you wait, guys wait, like wait. a very strong team. What name would you say again? You Eloy? heard me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. What, what Eloy say? He's going to get back to his Eloy style. My man had two home runs, boy. I, and not only that, but Tim Anderson, I know you was getting ready to say that about him. When Tim Anderson hit that home run, that opened up the floodgates. And I'm yeah. telling you, boy, y'all know how I feel about T.A. That's a bad man right there, a little Uzi. Let's go, T.A. Yeah, and that what it is, what that was, Perez, that series more of a little tune-up game for you guys. That's what it was because our team is nowhere near that competitive level that you guys are. Let's be 100, man. Your team is on a whole nother level. Our team is like down trying to rebuild up. So we're at different stages right now. Totally different stages. Yeah, it was like the uh, Team USA game against Martin and, and Tommy and, and Cole. That's what that series <laughs> was to me. Hey, hey, I, I ain't say all that now. Well, I'm just saying I had to say it for you because you were thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see 2016 Cubs versus 2021 Sox. Just one time. Mm. Who wins that series? Who wins that series? That's... That's what I want to see. It's a no-brainer. The Cubs win that series. You guys, are you guys joking? I'm biased. You right. Cubs all day. All right, but hold on now. We're going we gonna to break that down in a future episode. We're okay. going to be thoughtful about that. I, I like that one, DC. We're going we gonna to break that one down. And I'm going to be objective as possible when it comes to that sort of thing. But I love breaking down teams from different eras of time. So I That's think that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. All right, fellas. Well, we saw a lot of fireworks in the NBA last week. And we told you guys, audience-wise, that the NBA has the best offseason of all pro sports. They did not disappoint. Fellas, NBA free agency. Who was the clear-cut winner to you guys from the week? I'm going to be biased AF on this podcast. Chicago, here's the reason why. is because we didn't have to go out and sign anybody that is past their prime, per se. The guys that we acquired dating back to the trade deadline, are in their prime. We're on the incline. There are teams that are trying to stay afloat, and there's teams that are being a little bit desperate. And that's a good pick right there, San Chicago Bulls. I think they're out there. I thought Miami Heat pretty much stole the show Ooh, for me. They made that, some good moves. Nah, that was a good year. one. That was a good one. They what you like most about the Heat? I thought getting Kyle Lowry, that was a good pickup. They need a point guard. Someone who still got a lot left in the tank. thought that was a good pickup. P.J. Tucker adding on to that, thought that was huge as well because it stacks them up defensively. You know and I know, D.C. and Perez, that defense is what gets you to that next level to win championships. Okay, so one thing that I wanted to to ask both of you guys, 
How did the Bucks allow P.J. Tucker to get away? They didn't want to spend the bread, Prez. That's what it come down to. That's the head scratcher. Right. He was locking up KD. That dude was getting all up into Chris Paul, getting all up into Devin Booker. P.J. Tucker brought that toughness, and he sacrificed his offensive game. A lot of people forget P.J. Tucker in his career is a shooter. He sacrificed all that in Milwaukee. And I'm telling you, A-Dub, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that Miami Heat team. Not only did they re-up Butler, they re-up Duncan Robinson. Right. But, but they got tough, man, because they brought Lowry there and they brought Tucker. So that Miami Heat team, they looking like that New York Knicks team back in the 90s to me. They got some thugs <laughs> over there. <laughs> goons, right? The goon squad. Bring <laughs> that smoke in the Eastern Conference playoffs, please. Heat, Knicks. I want to see these old rivalries renewed. I want to. But I will say this. I like where D.C. was going with his spot. We're going to get into that in a little bit. I think when I look at this on those fellas, I got to give it to Russell Westbrook, man. I thought he was the clear-cut winner from from free agency. You know why I feel that way? It's because now he gets to put all of that triple-double aspect of his game on a team with guys that can score the ball. So imagine him running the show and he can kick that thing over to AD. And AD is pretty money with that jump shot. Or he can kick that thing to LeBron, and LeBron's still a bully, right? So with that type of skill set on that type of team, oh, man, I cannot wait to this NBA season start. These teams have really stacked the deck. And that Lakers team, and if you see what they did with the role players, I really like how that team is shaping up. It's going to be a really interesting season this year, fellas. I cannot hate the Lakers this year. I mean, they got mellow over there, Perez. I've been a fan of Melo since he first came in from Syracuse, man. Been a fan of that guy. And to see him finish, most likely might finish his career over there with LeBron, that's just exciting for me to see. You know, LeBron's gotten a chance to play with his friends, and now another one in Melo. Hopefully they do well together. I really do. I hope for, for, hope for the best for those guys. Same. Like, it's interesting to hear about all of this super team flack that LeBron gets. <laughs> and I feel like at this stage of his career, he needs a super team. He didn't need it in 2010, but he needs it now because he's, right. he's getting older. So I don't I don't get the, the criticism about all of that, and I do hope Russ has a tremendous year, but I'm rooting for Bulls-Lakers in the finals. That's what I want to see. Mm. Shit, I would love to see that too, man. They're going to have to get past that Nets team, that Heat team. I'm not too worried about the 76ers because, you know, that team, they implode internally, but – I got many more takes about the 76ers. Listeners, you have to wait for those. <laughs> well, I will say this, though. Um, the Bulls may have a tougher role than the Lakers. I know people are thinking like, oh, the Lakers, they got stronger, right? Look at the Bulls. They got stronger, too. But you wonder the task they got to take to get to, the, to that next step. That's true. And we're going we gonna to dive into that in a second. Before we get there, though, I want you guys to give me your biggest losers from free agency and the offseason. So it could be one or the other. I got a lot to say on this one, though. Portland trip. Ooh, I heard it. Portland. Talk to Losers. You got a superstar, generational talent like Damian Lillard that has been nothing but loyal. Loyalty, Mm -hmm. loyalty, loyalty. And you go out and you sign Tony Snell? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, this man could go anywhere he wants to. Now, yes, the point guard market has kind of closed up a bit in some of these bigger uh, markets or you know some of these other teams, but you got to show this man something. 
do something. I feel like it's a John Q moment. Like, do something, John. Do something. Portland, come on, man. You're about to lose one of the greatest point guards to ever play this game. And it's sad. First of all, I love that reference. And, and, and DC, you probably don't know this bit more. And when that scene came on, it always got me teary-eyed because I'm like, as a father, and yeah. you hear that, you're like, shit, I'm helpless. I'm, I'm like, John, can you figure this shit out, man? Because I'm tired of you taking these L's right now. God damn, bro. But anyway, <laughs> um, so you don't respect that they got Cody Zeller and, and Bill McLemore, uh, DC? I respect the fact that their talent got them to the NBA. <laughs> like building a great winning team. I don't think those guys are going to be it. They did nothing to keep Damian Lillard in the fold. I'll tell you that much. All they got was Chauncey. I'll give them that. They got a very promising head coach in Chauncey Billups. Yeah, but they took a bunch of flack for that shit. It's been an awful, awful offseason for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, and you know how much that Dane appreciates playing with Melo. The fact that Melo's not even over there anymore, that also hurts too. So they're doing everything they can do to make my man unhappy over there. Yeah, what, what which one did you have, A-Dub? I went with the Pelicans, man. The reason why I went that route, because... You're not making your best player happy over there, Zion. If Zion wins your best player, you need to add pieces around him. And what it looks like, they have not done anything to say, hey, they're going to that next level. Nothing there. Look, looks like they're going to have another year being snagged, stagnant of where they are right now. So you look at Zion, you want to say, hey, you know, what are you all looking to do to make this team better? I want to win too. You know, I understand it's early. I've seen some of these young guys right now starting their careers out looking good. Trey Young having an early successful career. So many of these young guys are doing well who just signed big contracts, you know? So it's like, hey, I'm a young guy. I want to do well, too. I want to win as well. So what are you doing as the Pelicans organization to help my team move to the next level? So you hear rumors right now where his families, people are coming out family-wise of saying how disgruntled he is with rumors-wise, but that shows you that the Pelicans are going to have to do a better job around that and try to keep him happy. Well, y'all remember the draft lottery. My man Zion didn't even look like he even wanted to. When he saw that they got that number one pick, him and his people got up out of there. I'm like, shit, what, they had dinner reservations? Where you go, Zion? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so he wasn't sold from day one, but you're right. He didn't like the coach, so they got the coach out of there. I'm telling you, the Pelicans getting Devontae Graham, that's not moving the needle. Now, Devontae Graham is a decent player, good shooter. Yeah. That's not what Zion was looking for. It's not going to move the needle, like you said, Press. It's not going to get you to the next level. Like I said, Graham is cool. He's a decent player. But nothing special, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, I would say the biggest loser from the offseason in this free agency period is Dennis Schroeder. You talk about somebody that overestimated their value. So the, the <laughs> Lakers offered this man $84 million, and he did not pick that shit up and run to the bank. He turned that shit down because he thought he was a $100 million player. Well, you thought wrong, Dennis Schroeder, because now free agency had dried up on you. So where you going now? Because ain't no $84 million contracts out there waiting for you right now, son. Hey, yeah. y'all, y'all remember that episode of uh, Fresh Prince when uh, Will's dad didn't show up? <laughs> yeah, Man, right. Was right there with Uncle Phil. He's like, why nobody want me, man? <laughs> That's Dennis Schroeder right now. That's Dennis Schroeder because he should have taken that bag mm-hmm. when it was presented. But he said, nah, I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test the market out. Ain't nobody checking for Dennis Schroeder, man. I'm sorry. No, I got to add this to this, to what you just said there, DC. Is it his agent or was it him? Because if his agent told him that, hey, you can get more than uh, whatever whatever your market value is, maybe 85 million, whatever, 
if his agent told him that, then maybe he thought that he could get that much, right? Um, but no one was being realistic with him, I would say. So right now, he might be selling for what? Going to the Celtics for like $5.9 million? I'm not saying that's what's going to actually happen, but that's the rumor out there right now of where he possibly might go. But think about that bigger difference right there money-wise. Like Perez said, he should have took the $85 million. And if you guys want to trade for Russell Westbrook, go ahead and do so. I got my money in the bank already. Well, one thing that you asked there about, you said, was it the agent or or the player? Well, who works for who? Because <laughs> if a team comes up and says, we're going to give you $84 million, I'm looking at my agent like, listen, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm taking this and I'm going to live in L.A. Fuck all that shit. Right. And maybe the agent's the ones that's incompetent here. Now, you would think the agent know more than you from that standpoint. For it's like, hey, you've been negotiating contracts for a while now. You may not have do this much better than I do. <laughs> so I'm looking for you to be the expert here. That agent needs to be fired. Fast. <laughs> it's messing up both their bags, though, because you got to think about it. The agent is getting paid. Mm-hmm. He, messed, he messed up his own money, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what is wrong with you, bro? What is wrong with you? But I'm saying, that's what happens sometimes with these agents. You know, they start looking at that. They're like, oh, shit, I want to get a bigger bonus. You a $100 million player. No, he's not. <laughs> so, right, right, right. <laughs> and the league showed him what his market was. And that's one thing about the NBA. You see some guys that get the bag, and you question, you kind of scratch your head, like, hmm, how did he get that? And then you see a guy like Dennis Schroeder, he probably was thinking, like, oh, well, shit, if this player's getting this, I'm definitely going to get that. Wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, Riz, I know, uh, Schroeder right now is like, hey, Rich Paul, I should have called you up, man. I made a mistake. You ain't lying because he gets his clients paid, boy. Yes, sir. Well, speaking of a rich, uh, rich Paul client, Lonzo Ball in the fold for the Chicago Bulls. DC was telling y'all that the Bulls had the biggest offseason and best free agency. DC, go ahead and talk to him a little bit about Lonzo Ball. And audience, y'all know I've been ringing the bell for Lonzo Ball to come to Chicago. LaFar, Lonzo, what's good? This is a hand-in-glove fit. No, 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 no. This is a hand in Michael Jackson sequin glove getting ready to moonwalk for the first time fit. It's just perfection. This is what we needed. We needed a point guard, not just any point guard. We got a young point guard, 20 years old, six foot six comes from, and I will, and I will, I will stand on a soapbox with this. LeVar ball does not get enough credit. We say it all the time, DC. That man, he that man gets so much slander, and all he's done is basically make two hundred million dollar players and, and great kids. That's it. Thank you. Family unit, putting mm-hmm. on for his lineage. You got to respect that. So Lonzo Ball, welcome to Chicago. Salute to that man. He's going to bring a nice element to this Bulls team. And what I mean by that, Perez, in D.C., is that this kid can flat out pass the ball. That's one. And two, what he also can do as well, he can defend. People don't look mm-hmm. at him defensively, though, but people not beating Lonzo that easily. <laughs> they really not, man. It's a tough time. So you think about who we have on our team, Zach Levine. We know Zach is not a great defender. He's okay. But, man, having someone like Alonzo Ball who can defend, that helps out a whole lot, man, on that perimeter. And one other thing to think about with him, the Bulls in this signing trade with the Pelicans didn't really give up much. I mean, think about it. They give up what? Garrett Temple? Two number twos? Right. 
And wh- who else? I mean, am I forgetting somebody? Like, I, I can't imagine that they gave up yeah. too much more. Who else? And, and Sato. Yeah. So, Sato. So, when I, when I look at that, I say, hey, the price to acquire him wasn't that bad. The $84 million contract, hey, that's kind of par for the course in this NBA. But I would tell you this. I thought he was the top point guard in this free agent class. And I know some people will tell me, oh, well, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, Kyle Lowry is good and stuff like that. But I'd rather have a 24-year-old Lonzo Ball running the point for my team for the next four years. And to what both of these gentlemen said on the show, Lonzo Ball is a perfect fit for what this Bulls team needs. And to A-Dub's point, that defensive aspect of Lonzo Ball is so underrated because we know this Bulls team struggled defensively. And this was a great acquisition for us. Not only that, but now Zach can actually play off of the ball because there were so many times last season where Zach had the ball all the time. Zach has to create the offense, and then he has to take tough shots. Now Lonzo's going to make his job easier, and let's not even talk about the job that he's going to be able to make Booch's job easier. So all in all, fellas, hell of a move by AK and, and Mark Everson. Yes, sir, Perez. And they all should get easier shots playing with Lonzo. I'm not sure how many times you have seen, if you watched the Pelicans game, how many times Zion got easy buckets. I can tell you right now, Zach Levine going to get some easy buckets. Vooch going to get some easy buckets. These guys going to stay involved in the offense because Lonzo knows how to run the offense. I mean, this is a, a like you say, Perez, this is a win for the Chicago Bulls, big time. I was talking to a friend of mine about fifth place in the Western Conference. There was a team out of Oklahoma City and they had a three-guard rotation with Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder. And that team was coached by Billy Donovan. We have Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, and DeMar DeRozan. 2021 Chicago Bulls coached by Billy Donovan. Do you think the 21 Bulls with the three-guard rotation like that is better than the fifth-place Oklahoma City Thunder of a few years ago. I think hands down, way better team. But to this point now, you brought up DeMar DeRose's name. Sign a trade with the Spurs. Yes. What do you guys think about that move? Because for me, I looked at that one, and I'm and I might be on the opposite side of the opinion here. I thought we gave up a little bit too much in this move. I love the Lonzo move. I thought we gave up a lot for DeMar, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you guys first. DeMar DeRozan is a guy who's still capable of getting 20 points a game. He's a guy who has a very good mid-range shot press. He's a good team player. He doesn't dominate the ball as much as he used to anymore, thanks to Popovich, who's actually helped him play a little bit off the ball. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes hand-in-hand with other scores now. And and still get 20 with doing less. So the thing is, he's still efficient. He shut around 49% from the field last season, somewhere around that. So you got a guy that still can do, be effective with doing less, with less shots. And that's what you really want. A guy who knows how to get his own shot, create his own shot, and also get others involved in the game. So you get another playmaker added to this team. So I like the trade, for I like getting him. I thought he would be a good asset to go with some of these young guys we have and another guy who can help out Zach Levine when it really comes to scoring. Yes, sir, though. I... I... Couldn't agree more. And to your point, Prez, yes, it does seem like an overpay. But when you look at it, we needed somebody that could get to the free throw line. We needed another playmaker in that lineup, in that spot. Thad Young, I hated to see Thad go. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I feel like Lowry should have been to the Spurs 
we get DeRozan. But then that would have been like, we, we would have won the offseason hands down. It would have been like two major like heists, you know, but like we can't rob the bank twice in the same day. We got new, we can't get San Antonio. They're too savvy for that. So no, we did have to give up a lot, including those first round picks. Yeah. And that, and that's my point because not only did you give up my boy, Thadjik Young, love that, but you traded a 2025 first round draft pick. Now, when I'm telling you how I feel about draft capital, you never know where that draft pick will land. And we've traded a lot of number ones in this administration with AK and Mark Eversley. This is something that I'm keeping an eye on because we're throwing out these first round picks like Oprah Winfrey was giving away cars, y'all. Like, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm looking at this and I'm like, hey, all right, now am I the only person sitting over here looking at this? Now, I love, I love DeMar coming to the team. I love the fact of what you said there, uh, DC, with a player that could get to the line. Great point. But what is DeMar doing to help us defensively? I just want to, I want to find that out from you guys. Well, that's the part of the reason we have Patrick Williams. He's the guy who can take up the bulk of really the, the defensive side of the table. He's going to be that guy. But you still need somebody that can still score at the same time as well. So I think you look at all these guys that we have on the team currently, Perez, who goes along with DeMar, some of his efficiencies can be, you know, be hidden a little bit when you got other guys who can do things that you don't do well and vice versa. So I think it kind of go hands in hand. These guys all kind of fit this Bulls team right here. So I get we gave up a lot, but I also look at the fact that, you know what, about 2025, we probably will be a, a different team. You never know when it comes down to free agencies again. And you just never know what may happen at the time. For I know it's the future looking at it, but currently right now, how this roster is constructed with these guys, we got a nice little team here, Perez, a loaded team. We got about three guys on this team who's able to get maybe four guys who's able to be in between 16 and 20 a game. And I want to give my man Alex Caruso some shine, too, because where DeMar DeRozan lacks defensively, I can envision Billy Donovan having rotations of Lonzo, Caruso, Levine, Patrick Williams, and Vooch. So when it comes to Caruso, a lot of people looked at the price tag there, and they'll say, eh, could have been a little bit of an overpay. $37 million right. for your deal for Caruso. Now, when I asked the question to A-Dub or and to you as well, what does DeMar bring to us defensively? A-Dub, you didn't answer that question. You talked about Pat Williams. I asked you about DeMar DeRozan. So now we have another guy, Caruso, that comes in here who has a pedigree of a, as, as on the defensive side of the ball. So, yes, I do agree with you, A-Dub, and the fact that you're going to have these other pieces, Alonzo, a Pat Williams, a Caruso, all these guys are going to help hide the deficiencies of a Zach Levine and a DeMar DeRozan. But my point is, though, is if we're going to give up that type of draft capital and we're going to throw the bag at somebody like that, I don't know, man. I just need to see a little bit more. I I think for me personally, I would have loved to see more of a two-way fit in that spot. But you know what? We'll see how it plays out. But let's talk about uh, Caruso real quick. Fellas, how are you feeling about that pick? I think it was an overpay, even though if he does bring a lot on the defensive side of of the court. Well, with Caruso, my thought was when I saw him play with the Lakers, he was in a limited role. And when he got a chance to play, he brought a lot of energy. He played well. You saw his talent level. The guy can still can jump. He can play. He's humble. You saw a lot of that. You know, he brings a lot of energy to any team. The thing is, like you said, Perez, what can he really do? And if he gets more minutes and more time, that's something we have not seen him in yet. So do we overpay for him? 
I think it remains to be seen. I don't know yet. I really can't even judge him yet because, again, when he played the Lakers, it was such a very limited role that you really couldn't really judge how good of a player he really is. So, sending with the Bulls, I know he may pay some money for him, but I'm wondering now, let's see how well he played or if he plays well, then we'll be able to judge him. But right now, I can't do it. To me, I feel like he's that Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly kind of thing. Maybe guys like Tony Allen, you know, where every championship team needs that that dog. Look at Milwaukee. P.J. Tucker was that guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Caruso knows his identity. He's not going to get outside of himself. He made his money on the defensive end. And he can knock down shots. He's he's almost like a a more defensive minded Steve Kerr or more offensive minded Kirk Heinrich. You know what I mean? Like like a guy that can really come in and be a star in his role. And that's what we were missing because who who coming off the bench last year? I mean, I know Denzel Valentine wasn't doing that. One of the guys I did like off the bench last year was Garrett Temple, but I think the Caruso is an upgrade over him for sure. You guys are saying that part of it, and I hear you both very clearly, loud and clear, but I don't see the dominance. I have not seen it with the Lakers. I watched a lot of Lakers Lakers games, but I didn't see the defensive dominance from him, though, to even compare him to some of the other elite that you mentioned who are great at, at being a specialist at defense. I didn't see that part of him. I saw a lot of energy from him, though. I saw the fact that he, again, he can play fast pace. He got up and down the floor. He didn't slow the game down at all. But that defensive guy that says, I'm going to come in, I'm going to stop guys, I didn't see that from him. So it's for me, I can't really judge him saying he don't do it. He can't do it. I can't say that either. I'm now at a point to where I'm just trying to see how the Bulls are going to utilize them, and they'll let me know that, hey, was it all worth it? Well, I mean, but you started this segment by saying the fact that the guy didn't get much opportunity in LA to show what he could do. So right, right. May- maybe is it fair to say we don't know exactly what he could be. So to DC's point, maybe he could evolve into one of those shutdown defenders. So I actually like where he was going with that. Because you have to think about it. We didn't have that on the team last year. And so now you have a backcourt with Lonzo and Caruso, depending on the situation of the game. They can lock some motherfuckers down, y'all. Really good. Yeah. And if Zach at the three, then it's flight eight all day. Yeah. And that's what I can see these guys, like you said, DC, I can see that flight part. These guys run up and down the floor, getting up and down to pretty much Billy Donovan type of style of play. But I think when that defensive ends, what Prez is going at, I just don't know what I'm going to see yet from Caruso yet, you know? So you may be right, DC. I'm not saying you're wrong. I hope he is a lockdown defender or, or turn into that part of it. I think for me, I just want to see it. Oh, so, hey, that's a, that's a fair point. Well, Tony Bradley was the, the last pickup that we had here, center from the Sixers. I don't really have a lot to say about him. I'm okay with the move. We needed some size here on this team because that's one of the areas, guys, on this team that I just feel like we were lacking a little bit. So when we traded Daniel Gafford away, I thought we lost a little bit on this team. So so I was okay with Bradley coming in here. I don't know if you guys had anything else on that one. I really like Bradley. And to me, I feel like he's what Wendell Carter gave you on most nights. Nothing. No, no. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> but, but, but that's my point too. Like Wendell was below average for what his potential was, for definitely for what his draft position was. He right. did not play like a uh, over, like a seventh overall pick. So what I'm saying is, Tony Bradley's going to come in and be Wendell off the bench. So just imagine we get Vucevic as a free agent rather than as a trade. Mm. So it's almost just like the plan is still on course. 
So he fits the role perfect, I think. Yeah, I like that, DC, what you shared there. I'm with you and Prez on this. I still think we needed some height. We got it. You just can't have one tall guy on your team that does well. You're going to need multiple good bodies, right? Especially in the playoffs. I thought that was a good pick. Yeah, they probably need to add another one, another big man. But yeah, this is a good start. I'm good with that there. But listen, let's transition over real quick to Bulls and Summer League. So on our last episode, we highlighted our boy Ayo DeSumo. So Ayo and the Bulls headed to Las Vegas, and they played in their first Summer League game against the Pelicans last night. We took the loss. But I saw some really positive signs out there, fellas. Pat Williams in that first half showed some pretty good leadership, was aggressive shooting the ball. You guys remember, I told you guys a couple episodes ago, there were a lot of times last season that he hesitated on shooting the ball. He passed up on open shots. That man wasn't turning down nothing but his collar last night. That man was shooting that ball every time he had an opportunity. I love to see that. He rebounded the ball well, so had a really nice first half, faded a bit in the second half. But I wanted to get you guys just general thoughts on that first game there uh, for the Summer League for the Bulls. I thought it was a good game to see what some of our guys look like. You hit a good point about Patrick Williams, uh, about how he played uh, from an offensive standpoint. The most important thing I liked about him was that he was able to put the ball on the floor, um, like pretty much leading some of the offense. And uh, he was making shots, making threes. So I kind of like that idea of seeing that from him. And then you also saw Io out there get a chance to play. So it looks like the, the Bulls are really trying to see what kind of players they really have out there, who they have on the team, and get them a chance to actually play. So I thought overall, good first game, you know, still some work that need to be done. No, that's a fair point. So you bring up Io. I thought when I saw him out there, he played like a rookie. And I saw someone that was adjusting to the speed of the of the NBA game. And so, audience, if you guys remember in our last episode, one of the things that we brought up about Aya was the fact that he was a little loosey-goosey with the handle and with, and with, his, and with controlling the ball. He yeah. turned the ball over a ton yesterday. And that's something that we want to make sure that he's tightening up in his league because he was getting ripped a lot in that game yesterday. So... He struggled a bit, but I yeah. expect him to bounce back. But that was something that I saw from Io. He just looked he looked unsure, just didn't play with that typical confidence, but that's to be expected. I mean, the guy's playing in his first pro game. Yeah, Perez, it's a lot, it's a little rust that went on with that too. So I'm with you there. You can see what the way he played, the turnovers, like you said, Perez. The fact that he was in attack mode, I like that part of it. But sometimes you go overboard with that. So it looked like it looks like he was a little bit out of control. So he needs to slow down at times and know when to go and when not to go. But like you said, Perez, he's learned the game. He's got to get better. He's going to get better. But this is a good learning opportunity for him to play in this league. Yeah, you you could tell he had the nerves. But one guy that I didn't see that had nerves at all was Marco Simonovic. He looked <laughs> like he was ready to go out there and and. and and shine you know what i mean like he was ready for the moment uh io unfortunately wasn't but right. you know just it's it's a part of the game but patrick williams i will say he's got a big bag and he oh, yeah. could different tricks playmaking ability that was able to be shown yesterday so man like i was watching closely and i liked what i saw despite the ill right. good side now, I will say this. I know, D.C., you've been high on Marco. He had his welcome to the NBA moment over there because he got his ass dunked on by Trey Murphy <laughs> last night. My Lord, that was nasty. But I'm you like, know what, Perez? Watch your head, Marco. Down. He didn't. He didn't. But I'm just saying, I still got to call it. I still got to call <laughs> True. it. True. <laughs> I'm that with you there, brother. That shit was nasty. But, like, but to D.C.'s point, though, this is a guy that's coming over. He's NBA ready. And he's going to be somebody that's going to be a really good addition to this ball club. So I'm really excited. And even Devin Dotson, he looked good. 
as a res- I think he has the potential to be a really strong reserve guard on this team. So yeah, he did look good, Perez. He did. You know, he wasn't afraid. He came out there. He was actually aggressive. Um, you can see how he was moving the ball. He had nice little speed to him too, to, to tempo to the game. So you kind of like that part of a guys who come in, Perez, and what they can do. You can see what kind of style they like to play into. So I think for him, he's one of those guys that bring a lot of energy, a lot of speed to the game. Well, I see the way that Arturis is shaping this roster as far as for the future. The guys that he's brought in, Devin Dotson, Io DeSumo, Marco Simonovic, Patrick Williams, like these are his guys. And they all have a similar character trait, which is I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to go to work. I'm right. going to extend my game. And I got a chip on my shoulder. And I'm going to prove the doubters wrong. So I like the way he's shaping the Bulls' future. TC, does this look more like how Denver is in a way? Not quite there, but in a way with how they play the style-wise with these characters, with these guys? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He likes picking those sleeper picks. Look at your, look at the Joker. Reigning right. MVP. Nobody saw him coming. And I feel the exact same energy when I think about my Chicago Bulls. Nobody's going to see the Bulls coming. Nobody's ready for what they're about to do to the league. Not at all. Well, I definitely think that they've moved up to being a three to five C type of team. I think they're right there in that argument. They're not up there with the Bucks and the and the Nets, but I think they're right there in that conversation with the Sixers and the Heat. You know, I think they're right there. So shout out to AK and Mark Eversley. I don't think they get enough credit. And the one thing that I didn't touch on with um with DeMar DeRosa that I wanted to bounce off of you guys before we move on. I heard a story that during free agency, Mark Eversley sat down with DeMar DeRozan. They had a two-hour conversation, and they said that that's what sealed the deal for him to come to Chicago. And they said that the Clippers' contention was on their way to go see DeMar DeRozan, and then DeMar DeRozan's agent said, don't even worry about it. We, we're signing somewhere else. Now, under the guard Pax administration, that would have not happened under that regime. DeMar DeRozan would not be a bull, and I think that that just shows you the power of, of the fact that this team now, under those two guys, those executives, there's a whole different cachet in the way people view the Chicago Bulls team. And I think that's even more important. Yeah, Press makes you happy about the future as well. And you, you hit a good point about that conversation there, Press, that it, it took a good conversation to let, probably let DeRozan know what his role is going to be, how he's going to fit into this team, how this team is on his way up. I mean, he kind of sold him on it, right, on so many different things they, that we haven't shared with us, right? But it just tells you that that communication right there, Press, is something we're not used to having when it comes out to Chicago Bulls. Well, last time we got a player from San Antonio that wore number 10, we went on a three-peat. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that that conversation that Mark Eversley had had to have come with some truth, a dose of reality. Like, look, man, we're not just bringing you in here to be satisfied making the playoffs and go home. We did that in right. Toronto. We're not doing that here. We got Vooch. We got Zach. We got Zoe. We need you. Like, they are contenders now. The mindset of the Chicago Bulls is championship contender. And let's not forget the fact that Zach Levine was on the phone with not only DeMar DeRozan, but also with Lonzo Ball. So now... Zach Levine obviously was in conversations with Mark Eversley and, and AK. So now that goes to show you that now you have your franchise guy that's in the fold and he's out there recruited and doing what a franchise player should do. Yeah, Press. And you know what this also does for me? It credits two things for me. is the fact that 
around the league, they starting to see how great Zach Levine really is. Like, man, this guy can really play. The guy can put up 30, right? Look, the dude can ball. So you look and see you got talent on this team, and you're looking like looking at yourself, like DeMar DeRozan, like, hey, can I come and help these guys out? Because they're there. They probably won a couple of players away from getting to that point. So me coming on board is the extra piece that will help with that. So I thought that was pretty good, man, from the C and probably reflect on that, um, DeRozan. So, man, good job from the, the organization for being able to recognize that and put a good bid in for it, too, for the team. Yeah, so we'll definitely see how this all shapes up. Audience, you know, we went a little longer on this segment, but there was a lot to unpack, not only with the NBA, but also with our Chicago Bulls. So we're going to have a lot more information we're going to get into on on future episodes because there's a lot yet to discuss with the Chicago Bulls team. Fellas, let's move on to the Chicago Bears real quick. Now, we know that we're now entering the second week of training camp. And, fellas, we've seen a lot of injuries that have hit this Bears team. And this is reminding me of some of the past seasons, guys, where the Bears had these injuries in training camp, and it was basically a big um, impediment for them during the season to be successful. So I just wanted to kind of get you guys' thoughts, like, high level, on just kind of how you're feeling about these injuries and if you think these are going to be a problem entering this 2021 season. Prez, I've always been a person who really looked into these issues here when it comes down to injuries. And I've always felt that sometimes injuries can be a nagging thing. So for me... I hate to see this kind of thing happen early because this can hurt chemistry. We've really been talking a lot about our team doing well from the offensive line, trying to get them back. And then we got Justin Fields, who we want to probably bring in at some point, hopefully within Mm -hmm. that year or next year. But we want to make sure we get guys healthy and fully healthy to where they can can contribute. They're not playing ball, Perez, or not out there on the field. There's no way they can contribute. These guys could be now one step behind the eight ball, man, because they haven't had that time to have a good training camp or haven't had that time to play in preseason. So these things does impact, and it could become nagging injuries throughout the season. I agree with you there, A-Dub. Injuries are part of the game, but if you look at it from a perspective of now this gives that next man up mentality, it gives that a chance to thrive in the locker room, I want to see that happen in this case with the Bears. You know, like one man down, next man up, so that that way going into the season, going into uh, new quarterbacks, like, yeah, chemistry can be off a bit, but you can also use that to propel you and to to create more chemistry for once everybody gets back. Look at what just happened with the White Sox. Yeah, you start integrating guys back in, and then you're rolling because everybody's got that that mentality that, hey, we're not going to let these injuries stop us. So we can be a, a blessing in disguise. Now, one thing I will say, though, DC, on your point there, if you look at some of these injuries, not only are the starters injured, but the damn backups injured, too. So it's, right. so it's, been, <laughs> it's, so it's been tough. But and that's on that's on that offensive line. But I do agree with your point with other position groups. So let's say, for instance, that inside linebacker. A-Dub and I were just talking about it on the Bears Centrals yesterday. You see now you had a guy, Alec Ogletree, who's come in off the, off the streets, and now he's excelling. So I agree with right. you. That, next man, that next, next man up mentality is key. But however, that offensive line and those injuries, those are the ones that's concerning me a little bit because if we go into this regular season with now knowing who's going to be protecting our quarterback, whether it's Dalton Orfields, that's a recipe for disaster, and that's just what scares me a little bit. Yeah, Perez, I'm with you there, man. That offensive line is a big key. It's a big focal point for our team, especially after we cut Charles Leno that we talked about before. It just makes it tougher, right, when you don't have guys ready to play. 
But you're right. To DC's point, it does help out from the defensive side of the table because we got a chance to see other guys, and now we know that we have depth there. But where's the depth when it comes down to the offensive line like that? That's a hard thing to see. Well, I blame one Ryan Pace for that because the depth isn't there. We have some guys that are, are starters that I'm kind of like scratching my head about. You know, Jermaine Nefetti, I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm just kind of scratching my head just with some of the moves that they made. And if that's your starter, then who's behind him? Because if that guy gets hurt, then we have some really, really serious problems with this offensive line. And don't even get me started on Justin Fields being our starting quarterback behind some patchwork fucking offensive line because I'm not trying to hear that conversation. He needs to stay on the bench if he's going to be behind some guy on the street that's blocking the left tackle. Well, I was was just about to say that because you do not want to put him at risk. Let's be cautious with, with this guy, man. Justin Fields is the future of the franchise. That's right, man. Keep that Ferrari in the garage for now, baby. I'm good. I'm good. We'll we'll trot out that damn Yukon. We'll be good. We good. Hey, Andy Dalton, we believe in you over here. We got no problems with you. All right, fellas. Chicago Sky Time. So the ladies have been on Olympic break here. The season's rebooting. They're back playing on August 15th. Fellas, what are you thinking about this second half of the season? Because they have had a nice little five-week uh, break off. So I'm hoping that Candace and the ladies have had some time to recharge and hopefully come back and get the job done here the second half of the season. I'm feeling pretty good, Perez. I think now our team is coming back a little healthier than they were you know, at the beginning of the season earlier uh, when we had some teams, some ladies who were out hurt with injuries. But now it looks like we're going to go to the second half here coming back from you know the layoff to feeling pretty good. So I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll be a healthy team. I think we can make a pretty good run. Absolutely. And one thing I'm going to say is right out of the gate, they've got an opportunity to get that W back from Dallas, you know, because they went into the break, they split it. But, you know, coming up this weekend, they've got Seattle. Like I said, right after that, they've got Dallas. So I'm going to say that if healthy, like you said, A-Dub, they've had a chance to rest. If healthy down the stretch, I don't see any reason why they miss a beat, even though they've had this extended break. No, I mean, that's a good point, D.C., because we saw that that was something they struggled with earlier in the season. Candace Parker missed time with the ankle injury. Allie Quigley had a hamstring injury. So those were things that you saw their absence really helped. It really it made them start the season off pretty slow. So then when Candace came back, that's when you saw the team pick it up a little bit. And they really started to step up things towards the, the middle to end part of that first half of the season. So I think when I look at this team, guys, I think it's consistency. They have to be more consistent across the board because the game that A-Dub and I were at when they played the Mystics, that was a game of two halves. They were more consistent in that second half than they were in the first half of that ball game. And I think that what James Wade is going to have to do with this team is just making sure that he's preaching to them to play a complete game. Because if they do that, I think they'll have no problems. Absolutely, Prez. They got a good team. They got good young ladies off the bench as well. Again, this is a championship caliber team here. So if they can do those things that you mentioned, Perez, play well, I think also lock in on defense. I think they'll do just fine, man, because they got three all-stars who can pretty much carry this team. So if they can continue at that rate, be consistent, close out the game strong, I think we'll do fine. And you know, that's a fair point that you brought up about defense before we close this uh, this topic out. Now, Kalia Copper and Diamond DeShields, those are two people that James Wade tapped on the shoulder and said he wanted them to be their defensive catalyst on his team. Yeah, I think both of you guys have saw that they answered that challenge because both of those ladies, they lock people down on defense. And I think that 
the defense is going to help them start their offense in that second half. And I think that's going to be important to see. I'm with you there, Perez. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, as we wind down the show here, we talked about the Cubs a little bit earlier. Everybody, you guys know that they had that fire sale. We're not going to retrace that necessarily. However, Jed Hoyer went on and had some comments about Chris Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. So I'm going to kick this over to my brother A-Dub first. What you think about your, your boy Jed Hoyer, man? He got on, in, on the little media circus there, and he kind of threw the blame on them three guys. Talk to him, A-Dub. Jed Hoyer made a mistake. I'm just going to call it what it is. The thing is, you never know what can happen in free agency, Perez. You just don't know, right? These guys are still going to be free agents coming up. These guys want to return to Chicago. Well, you just ruined that. You really did. You just ruined that part of it. So I think right there, man, you just you added more fuel to the fire. When you're losing, things are not going well. That's what can happen. Yeah, that, that was a big verbal mistake by Jed Hoyer. And then again, like you said, A-Dub, you know, what if Chris Bryant wanted to come back? You know, not with this guy in the front office. Chris Bryant made comments saying that they, the front office can't be trusted. You don't want mm-hmm. it out. Because now other big-time free agents are going to look at that like, well, now now you're in a guard pack situation. It's it's so ironic. You know what I mean? Like, the, the Cubs could now be looked at as a distrusting organization. And what does that mean for other guys on this team right now, veteran-wise? Kyle Hendricks, Contreras, what do they think now? Now, they probably the point to where, hey, if Jed Hoy is coming out like this here, I really don't want to be here. They probably haven't said anything out loud, Press, but what that can do for the current guys who've been here, who was on that 2016 team that won, and how they feel about things. So this does not help at all. He could have just kept quiet on that whole part of it. But you also think about the fact that when he did offer these guys contracts, where they were at the time frame when it, when it occurred. So if you did throw out contracts to Chris Bryan way back when, Press, that's way back when. This is 2021. It's a new time frame. Maybe the guy wanted to get the most he could get from a contract standpoint. Maybe these guys thought they've been lowballed when you offer them contracts. They don't want to take the bare minimum. These guys want to get paid. So you got to respect that part of it. Got to respect the free agency part of it as well. So I thought Jay Hoyer pretty much ruined these guys' opportunity to want to come back to Chicago if they wanted to in their hearts. Well, one thing, and I agree with what DC mentioned about the comments that Chris Bryant made, but you guys both realize that Chris Bryant secretly has been having beef with this front office for a very long time. This dates back to his rookie year. You all remember what they did with his service time when he was coming up and they put him down at AAA so they could get a they could have an extra year of him on that rookie contract. Chris Bryant and his agent at the time hated that move. The Cubs at the time said Chris Bryant needed to work on parts of his game. They wanted him to get some at-bats and, and play in the outfield. But magically, when his service time clock moved, they called him up. I never think that Chris Bryant and his agent forgot about that moment. I think the Cubs were working at a disadvantage of Chris Bryant from the moment they did that to him. It doesn't help when you have Scott Bowers as his agent, too. So you combine that and Scott, like, look, you got played the first time. We're not going to get played again kind of a thing. Right, Perez? He's like, look, we want the bag. We're not going to play around with the money-wise financially. So whatever the penis they're going to throw at us right now is not what we're going to take right now. We're going to negotiate and get into the office and do those things. But those things never happen. So... At this point, like they're saying, they can't be trusted. That's not a good sign to see that's out there under their umbrella. And then you think about Rizzo, Perez, who really wanted to be in Chicago. Rizzo wants to sink with the ship. So you make this comment, and Rizzo comes back with a comment. Then you hear Bryant's comment. It's like, look, you don't want to disrupt to those guys who got won a championship like that. And I thought it was wrong on Jay Hoy's part to really do that to those guys. 
I thought he painted a picture that basically almost made it seem like they were being greedy. That's the way that I took those comments. Well, you can't call someone greedy if you offer a guy a first baseman like Rizzo about $12 million a year. The guy been underpaid for many years with the, with the Cubs, I thought, in my opinion. Um, so you know he wanted to build a bag coming to this part of his career. So I see the Cubs side of it, but I also see Rizzo side of it, too. That, hey, I've helped win a championship here. I think I've earned the bag. Was the Billy Goat in a coma in 2016? Because I feel like this curse of the Billy Goat is still real. I thought that thing uh, went away when they blew up that Steve Bartman ball, but I don't know. I <laughs> man, there's no karma, man. It's more that, hey, there's egos that get into this year and things happen, right? Especially when you're losing. And we're at this point to where things happen, right? I've seen it happen with Big Frank with the White Sox. So it's nothing new, fellas. Let's not act like that. We saw what happened with Kenny Williams and the White Sox at that time frame with, with um, Big Frank. These kind of things happen near someone's end, near the end of someone's career, or when someone this bird deserves to get more money than what they get. So things happen like that. This is what we are as a cub wise. I don't like it, but it's not a good look when it comes down to these things happening in the media. Listen, listen, A-Dub, you're trying to make yourself feel better by invoking Frank Thomas's name. It's anything to do with what this nonsense that the Cubs are doing right now. I told you two episodes ago, stay out of White Sox business, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I still love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but man, I, I I really feel bad for Cubs fans when you look at this. Those are three guys there that are not here that should still be here. Now, DC made this point in the last episode when you looked at those three, that trio of players, you probably thought, yeah, one or two of these guys will probably be back. The fact right. that none of them are here, that's a disrespect to the fan base. I don't know what took place with those negotiations. I know you threw out that $70 million mark, uh, A-Dub. You never know. Sometimes people throw dollar amounts out through the media. We don't know if that stuff is true. You never know what happens with these negotiations. But I will say it's not a good look, not only for the Cubs, but it's definitely not a good look for Jed Hoyer that he's now going on talk radio shows discussing this stuff after the fact. Because future uh, free agents and also future guys that are going to come up through the farm system they're going to remember what they did to Javi and Brizzo and Chris Bryant. The team that won a championship, press, what they've done to those guys, that stands out. You make a good point. So Jed has to be very careful, Prez, in what he's saying, especially to the media, man. Very careful. Well, history is being recorded because we will see an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on the 2016 Chicago Cubs and all the aftermath of how they broke up the team. So. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. You're, you're going to show all the, the excitement of Theo making it happen for them. Then you're going to see Theo leave. Then you're going to see these three leave. Then you're going to see Jed Hoyer just standing there looking like Will Smith when uh, at the end of uh, the Fresh Prince when everybody was up out of the crib. That's Jed Hoyer right now. You got nothing, son. The cupboard is bare. <laughs> Man, it doesn't look good. That's all I can say right now, fellas. Doesn't feel good right there to be a Cubs fan. But you know me, I'm going I'm to ride a die with my team. But right now, we're the talk of the town, and um, it's not a good way to be talked about uh, as an organization. No, it's all good, man. Well, hey, before we close out the show, you know, we always end this show on the upbeat, good vibes, first place White Sox. You guys already know how Press feels about these White Sox. Lewis Robert is back. Fellas. This is such a good time, as I've mentioned before, to be a Sox fan. We're getting all of our injured guys back to the mix here. This just feels like when you got a guy like Lewis Robert coming back to the fold, it feels like you made another big-time acquisition to improve your lineup. Now, we already had a strong lineup, and now it gets even stronger with a guy like that. 
coming off the coming off the injury list and coming back to the fold. And DC made a point when we were talking about the Bears segment about next man up mentality. Well, the White Sox have been the epitome of that all season because injury after injury, the next guy's come up and has produced. So now you have your your starter that's coming back, but now the guy that backed him up, now this guy's gotten a bunch of experience and now he's strong. And that bodes well when you look at this team going into the playoffs, fellas. And it's really exciting to see Tony Roos has got so many options with this ball club. You guys are a loaded team, Prez. The White Sox are loaded, man. Lots of talent there. You all got pitching to go along with it. Man, this is going to be a fun playoffs to watch. And I want to see how things are going to turn out. I'm rooting for your, your White Sox. I hope they do well. I'm never going to be a hater. I want to see these guys do well and make Appreciate it to the World you. Series. But, hey, they got, a, they got a road ahead of them as well. But the good thing is that they have a good team themselves. So having a good team like this here, you're in a good shape, Press. You should feel very good. You in D.C. Oh, yes. And you got to feel, to quote Michael Jackson once again on this episode, you got to feel that heat. <laughs> Everybody can feel it. The White Sox, they are fired up. They're rolling. They're getting guys back. They want this World Series. So I want it too, man. And, and Yasmani Grandal, he might be coming back too soon. So, man. And imagine this. This guy right here is our big-time starting catcher that we acquired a couple years ago. He hasn't even been there in the field. And so it's just one great piece of news every other week. I just I get so happy when I get my little white sauce alerts to pop up, and I'm like, oh, man, I cannot wait till this fall. And they dubbed the invite is still open. I had some listeners that they were that hitting us up on, a, on, our, on our Gmail, and they were like, man, they were like, well, I don't know about A-Dub, but I'm definitely going to take you and DC up on your offer. So just know that offer is still standing, even though you smacked my hand the last time. It's still there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys go ahead and do y'all thing, man. I will still congratulate you guys on the win. I'm a sportsman. You know, I, I got sportsmanship. I will show you guys the love you all deserve. Um, but yeah, man, so far, so good. Your boy's on a mission, man. And uh, like you said, you got guys that came back. Eloy came back and been on the tear. Roberts may do the same thing. I mean, you you guys feeling good, man. You on cloud nine, man. So enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Hey, man, I'm smiling ear to ear right now. It's cloud 99. <laughs> that is all the way up. Yes, sir. And I'm telling you, I know a lot of Sox fans, they weren't high on the Tony La Russa, uh signing and bringing him here. And it didn't get off to the right start because he had the DUI stuff, which I'm not going to get into what people are doing off the field, whatever. But it wasn't perfect starting up, but now you're starting to see Tony starting to get into that rhythm now. And yeah. I think this is why they brought him in here because they knew the type of team that they had and they knew this is the right guy to get the best parts out of this team. And I'm telling you, man, it's really exciting and I cannot wait. Yeah, I think Tony LaRusso made some adjustments for us. Um, he got a chance to know these players, learn who they are, learn their games, you know, and get, and get a chance, you know, to evolve with them. So I got to give Tony LaRusso his props around that because you can see a difference in him. He's fighting for his team. He's out there on the field. Someone can hit with a pitch. You see Tony LaRusso right in the middle of things, you know. So these are things you didn't see from him early on. But you can tell LaRusso got his team's back. They've got his back too, man. Like, I, I feel like everybody in that locker room right now has just got champagne on ice. Yeah. It's like this. Just it's like the carts are pulled up right there by the locker. Like we just re- we just waiting on y'all, Tony. If you you get up into that man, just remember, man, call an Uber. That's all. That's all we want you to do. <laughs> Be chill, bro. <laughs> Be chill, Tony. We Say love chill, you, though. Tony. Chill, Tony, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
put that on a t-shirt chill tony that's chill tony that's right that's right listen we we bring up million dollar ideas on this podcast ladies and gentlemen that's what we do over here but fellas it's been another fun episode man final segment time if this city could talk and i'm gonna keep it very short and simple if this city could talk as you see on this episode we've been talking about vibes of our city now everybody talks about the negative aspects of things i was just on vacation i'm telling people i'm from chicago and they're disrespecting our town. They're like, what's going on in Chicago? Is everything going on okay over there? And I'm looking at them and I'm turning around. I'm like, you see me on vacation, right? What you mean, is everything okay? I'm fine. So I think when people think of our city, we got to give people good reasons to talk about our city and not negative reasons. So with that being said, we got the Chicago Bears that now have a potential franchise quarterback that we are all excited about. The Chicago White Sox are gearing up for a World Series run. Our Chicago Sky are gearing up for a playoff run, and they have the ability to make a run at the WNBA championship. So what I want our city to do is to rise up, put your support behind these teams, Let's focus on positive things that are going on in this city. Get your asses out there and go to these Sox and Sky games. There's too many empty seats out there. If this city could talk, let's rally behind our city. We are greater than people say. Damn, well said there, right there, Prez. I like what you said. But what I will say, Prez, if this city can talk, this city can talk, it will say, hey, this is around the school time where kids are going back to school. It will say that we have a lot of organizations here in the Chicagoland area that's out there supporting our kids. Uh, we have one called Fill a Heart for Kids, who do a great job at giving back to foster kids or any kids who are underserved. We're making sure they have book bags, supplies, clothing, and all those different things to get these kids back ready for school. So I want to salute my city because we do a great job in ensuring that a lot of these kids out there who are unfortunate to get the things that they need to be successful uh, when they get back to school. So salute to my city around that. Five stars. Absolutely. I'm going to go in a different direction than I normally do because I always try to be positive, uplifting, encouraging, be a five-star individual. You know, it, it, that's that's who I am. But today I got to be one star because I know there's people in this town. And, and you know what? Maybe it's not their fault. They don't know they're being one star individuals. Because, again, I, I drive for Lyft and I do it because I love it. I love interacting with people. I love getting uh, someone in my vehicle and they're asking me about Chicago and I'm able to tell them all the beautiful things about this city. But... When you're requesting that Lyft or that Uber, don't be a complete asshole and like put your feet up on the seat and, you know, like, damn, they have your feet hanging out the window. Like, that's not cool. That's some one star shit. So just remember, Chicago, be a great representation of who your mother raised you to be. All right, well, fellas, man, I love those if this city could talk. Aids up. Shout out to you with those because we got to point out those organizations that are out there doing the real work out here at D.C. Hey, all you're asking people is to do is to be better. Don't be a one-star individual. I respect that. That's it. That's simple. Very simple. <laughs> but as always, audience, we appreciate you guys for listening. Don't forget to check out that Craven app. Chicago Versus. We are out.
DC, gonna sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT.